This week on the Push All Lakes podcast, we talk about the perception of personal trainers from the client point of view. Also, we give a little overview of SMC books and writing training plans. Three, two, one, I've got your 22p, mate. Hey guys, welcome to the Push Pull Legs podcast with myself, Damik. And me, Tom Hall. It's going to book. Wow. That's a zero right there. Opening <laughs> straight yeah. away. My, I'm a pro and mine's already open um, before well, I recording. I did get another one because you chatted so much shit before we came <laughs> on live that I finished it. So. Well, and also, uh, we recently have found out that you can send money to each other via Skype. You can. Yep. Or request it anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I requested still a penny. I'm still waiting then, on money from Tom. And then, uh, I know, I still owe Dan money, but decided to. I've Apparently, I had my debit card blocked since uh, the middle of February and haven't even noticed. So, yeah, that's how much I need it. <laughs> what happens, guys? We live in that penthouse. Obviously, I have Apple Pay and credit cards that I normally pay with. Um, yeah, and the money just leaves my debit account without me knowing. Um, so, I don't really know. Didn't realize. Yeah. So don't get all that cash back and points and stuff with uh, debit cards. That's why my credit rating is uh, lovely, Daniel. So you know that. Wonderful. Um, yeah, mate. What's going on? Not a lot, mate. Not a lot. I, I, something new that happened, though, in the last week, since the last podcast, <laughs> something new has happened. I went and played basketball. I went and joined I the saw. basketball. Oh, thing. you joined a what? You joined yeah, well, a basketball I went, thing. I went, yeah, like a, a, like a league, like a league and everything. Like proper, like full on. Jesus, like, you have got too much like, free in, time, haven't you? I know, yeah. Well, it's just, mate, <laughs> Sunday evenings, mate. Do you know what I mean? That's when it, that's when it's on. But um, yeah, no, it was like really random. I just I was I was googling to try and find basketball courts, and then randomly, just like the town next to Bath has got like its own league, like full of like eight teams. Like I was like, it's a tiny town, it's smaller Bath. I was like, how random is that? It's there. Yeah. But yeah, I went along and um, played two hours of basketball. Got some blisters on my feet, Sweet. as you do. And uh, yeah, had a great time. You got so, yeah. some uh, brand new basketball sweet kicks. I need to get some now. Oh, I yeah. I mean, I get, get some. some oh, I want to see some basketball high tops that are then yes, be like real absolute bright, balling. Like, yeah, bright ones like that. Yeah. I could never pull off. But I'm buy them anyway. <laughs> like that white basketball player that just can't pull off his kit. Like, what are you doing? Mate? <laughs> it's like, it. come on, what, that, band, like, I'm headband pre- on. I'm gonna be pretty sure you're a, a village outside of Bath that there'll be mostly white people. Yeah, they were mostly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, don't think that's the case, but yeah, maybe, mate. I think I think that'd be great. Oh, well, yeah, really it's good. It's all just, it's all just fun. My point of the whole thing, of reason telling people is that it was fun. And it's good. It's, to do, if you want to go watch, it's good. No, don't go. <laughs> but it's good to do things that you either used to really enjoy or do hey, things that are totally unrelated. Not totally unrelated, but unrelated to what you do. Something that I'd actually like to do is go play five, six side football again. So if anybody wants to offer me a team in London. Yeah. I think it. I think it's for me. I, I'm okay. I, like, well. <laughs> I really, I don't know. I really think that that more people should. I don't know. Maybe as I'm getting a bit older, potentially. But I think health and fitness and gym can get a little bit like. All right, is there anything else we can do? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think sometimes, like when you're in it as a job, like I was saying this to someone the other day, it's like people have this assumption that as a as a PT or as a trainer or as anyone involved in fitness that you must absolutely love it and that for yourself it's like yeah, you know most, most people like... most people get into training because they love it um that's quite a lot of people that's what a lot of people say when they get into the industry like, oh i want to i want to be a pt because i love training it's like well yeah but you won't love training once you become a pt <laughs> just remember that. and i think that you know people need to remember that it's like being an accountant and then doing people's accounts all day and then going home and someone going oh you've got to do your own accounts now love that analogy. every single evening like brilliant <laughs> i don't really want to be doing that do i it's not fun um, so yeah, I think some people. Do you think you know, Gordon Ramsay does the cooking in his, his house? Well, exactly. I bet he, I can't imagine he enjoys it if he does. Imagine if he just puts like chicken dippers on in the freezer. Like, <laughs> it's straight, just like straight just from the really, really like microwave. There's no there's no oven, no hob. But he's but to be fair, he's he's probably at that point where he doesn't actually do a huge amount of cooking now, so he probably is alright with it. But he same thing applies with like cooks and stuff. Like a lot of people that I've ever known who are cooks have awful diets like the worst because they just can't be like, why would you be bothered you wouldn't want to um so yeah it's just interesting because it for me it's like two hours of 
running around having fun but like when you actually were, if I was to actually work out the amount of cardio or calories <laughs> it would be like a lot but I, mean, I didn't even didn't, think about right? that it was just fun so um, and I know a lot of other to a lot of other people who work in an office the gym is fun it's their fun time and it's their time but for me and I'm sure you're the same it's not like that it's not that hour and a half of freedom or like switching your brain off because you're doing stuff even even more so that a lot of people have noticed in my gym and certain trainers and certain clients have noticed that i tend to train at other gyms i don't Mm -hmm. train in the gym that i personal train in i have to make an effort to go to another place um which i generally i have the luxury that i'm on a group contract so i kind of go around different places and lecture anyway but i'll tend to train at a different facility just Yeah, it's not conducive with a great session. I find that the place that I'm working most. So, which is people are like, oh, you must just yeah, you must just train all the time. You live in a gym. I'm like, mm, actually, I trained for a solid forty minutes today because I had about seven clients and I just wanted to get out. <laughs> I was like, I know I've got to move, but you know what I did? Bench. Oh yeah, bit of bench. Always. I did some benching. Did some rowing. Like dumbbell rowing, and what else did I do? Oh, some uh, because I've started ollie lifting again, and realised that actually split jerks really hard, or any kind of jerk. I can't. I haven't done overhead work for a long, quite a long time. Yeah. Uh, due to because I play a lot of golf, and then that's enough overhead work for me. Um, yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I uh, yeah realised that I was jerking like 80, 90 kilos. Steady mate, like, you're jerking steady like, mate. It's a dangerous territory. I know it's a, it's a family show, um, and. Yeah, I found that really hard. So I, I can clean above 100, no problem. And then I was just like, well, I'm not going to be able to get this above my head. So what's the point? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. can't re- I'm just going to do the clean part of the lift. It's okay. Uh, forget that bit. It's fine. Just I pretend I got it up and then it's fine. Wee. Um, Wee. Yeah. Another one, mate. <laughs> wow, doozy. Um, Olympic lifting has definitely got the most things. I know, it's got the like most in your nose. Steady on. Uh, right, mate. So we've got some topics. I'm actually going to start it off because I was on a course on the weekend. Not so much a course, lecture, seminar thing. And I, even you might know the guy um, who was running this. And believe it or not, guys, he is not a fan of social media. He is not on social media. So, it, oh my God, it can't be anybody that's great. Uh, no, he's probably one of the most influential people in S&C in the world. But okay. Just get old, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's about 50 plus. But in a room of 26 trainers... Um, this lad moved incredible. Like for a, he must be either early sixties or late fifties. He was the best mover in the like the the place. Like seriously, the guy was unbelievable. How he could just spring off stuff. Um, so doctor, PhD, every single title under the sun. Ian Jeffries, um, who has written I don't know about thirteen, fourteen books. Probably the biggest one is probably Game Speed is his thing so he talks he's all plyometrics acceleration phases all that kind of stuff sprint mechanics um any kind of drill that you've probably done in football or any speed drill any sprinting drill any skips and bounds and he was probably the one that popularized it um within snc in the uk I think he. I think I'm right in saying he is one of the founders of the United Kingdom Strength and Conditioning Association as well. Mm. I think I'm right in saying that. Over like hundred journal articles, absolute bowler. And we met him on the weekend, and he uh, came to third base because we're that good for bringing people in to train our trainers. Twenty six high performers, and me and Josh. Um, I was to say, yeah, don't even <laughs> Josh. And us, uh, because... I bet um, James Ralph was in his, in his element, was he? James Ralph. It was quite funny, actually, because obviously uh, me and J- James... If anybody knows James Ralph uh, on Instagram, it's JR Athletes Edge. Um, he trains professional athletes, basically. So he, he trains pro athletes a lot of the time. Like for, He's got um, the guy who's the current like 400-meter world champion or that that lad who's... S- S- <laughs> Ralphie t- showed me his previous S&C program. I was like, you're kidding, right? He's like, no. He's won the Olympic World Championship gold medal, and that was his program. He was like, it is awful. <laughs> I was like, wow. What um, was he doing, like push-pull legs or chest oh. <laughs> or, right. Yeah, just hypertrophy, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's shocking. Yeah, he does a lot of Crystal Palace players. He's working for like Matos De Litt and all these kind of young guns. But yeah, it was quite interesting because uh, they end up disagreeing on a lot of stuff. 
Um, and I think Ian, I think Ian, because he's no offense to the lad, there's probably some new stuff that's coming out. And he said he was like, yeah, I'm still influential. I'm still doing a lot of stuff. I'm still doing research. I'm still, but I'm more coaching now and consulting all this kind of stuff. But he was like, there's some stuff that's coming out of the states which I totally disagree with, and it's happening in the states at the moment. And then Ralphie takes a lot of stuff from the states. So he did his internship. I want to say at Stanford or Harvard. Harvard, wasn't it? Harvard, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So he did Harvard uh, sports, didn't he? They're Div 1. Div 1 or Div 2, aren't they, sports? So pretty decent, like, unbelievable facilities. And then, but there's some stuff that he, yeah, disagree with. Also, me and uh, Ralphie had the same lecturers because we did, uh, I did the bachelor's on his master's. I did a, a separate master's degree to him. But we both had the same lecture, so I mentioned him to Ian, and then uh, I was like, "Oh, how do you uh, how do you like uh, our lecturer?" As uh, An- Anthony Turner was our main guy, and uh, he was like, mm, uh, "I don't know." <laughs> I was like, "Jesus Christ, okay." Um, yeah. Not don't mention fan. anyone's name. Just don't mention anyone's name. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, "Yeah, not a massive fan." I was like, "Oh, brilliant. Okay, cool, wonderful. <laughs> okay, that's where all of my stuff from. So <laughs> if I do anything wrong, blame him." Um, so it was interesting yeah but Ralphie obviously loved him like he's like one of the godfathers of it and all bounding and stuff um, so go look him up if you haven't he's probably yeah he's written like tens of books like so go look him up which actually decided me upon this next little snippet Dan um, I decided just to quickly because I, I, we don't get this question very often but every now and again it crops up and it's what books or what stuff did you read or have you read whilst you've been going through your career um maybe i don't know you ever you've ever had that yeah i have at some point so i thought I'd, based off the snc stuff i would have a little snippet of books i've used or probably cited or flicked through or pretended to read um, i'll look at the pictures yeah. <laughs> look at the pictures gone that looks about right. Sweet. I'm gonna just drag and insert that little like figure, figure one. Oh yeah, put that in the appendix. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So Ian Jeffrey's obviously got a lot of S and C books. So the ones that I was just gonna go through. Well, you got take authors. Go. People can go get these if they really want to. But um, Kramer was a big one. So science and practice of S and C. So strength, strength training. Big one. Uh, super training is a big one. That's a bit nerdy. I know that. Very nerdy. Very, <laughs> very nerdy. Um, guy called Mel Sif, and I don't know. How this, I'm not. I'm not even bother. It'll be like the whole Alex Krajewski thing again. Um, advances in functional training, which is classic Mike Boyle. Uh, starting strength. If if you're a PT and you don't know what that is, then quit. Just quit your job. Um, <laughs> Mark Ripto, and he's also got the practical programming for strength training, which is also Mark Ripto, and Andy Baker doesn't get any credit though. Um, my lecturer. Obviously, I had to read his books. Um, <laughs> it's kind of paramount doing his courses. Uh, advanced strength conditioning and evidence-based approach. Mm. He's the editor of the uh, Journal of SNC. That's why um, he kind of has to be evidence-based. And uh, I think probably the one that had the biggest amount of uh, influence on me was Human Anatomy and Physiology uh, with Biomechanics of Sport Techniques by uh, a person that sounds like a that sounds like a riveting read oh mate it's uh, absolutely amazing Uh, (laughs) by Elaine Marieb Um, but yeah she's basically only does like physiology and all that kind of stuff all the strength training core I I kind of love but I read probably more uh, journals and make stuff off that Uh, anything and all the rehab stuff I kind of is very much the same. And I kind of uh, go towards people like Dr. Brent Bush uh, for physio help and all that kind of stuff. Wonderful. Dan, any nutritional or your books that you might have, uh, if, you've, if you've got any, I don't know. Just, yeah, I get just, asked all the time about nutrition work, books. Mate, so and like the, problem, the problem with nutrition books is that with obviously S&C and stuff, there's obviously certain things that have happened that there's been breakthroughs, people write about them and they kind of stick. Yeah, but the problem with nutrition is that, like, bar like the, the the like the basic textbooks, like the fundamentals of nutrition, like the ISSN do one. It's a fucking absolute doorstop of a book. <laughs> um, like, it's all just people's opinions, and we know that with nutrition, people's opinions is not good. Like, really not good. Um, so, like, I think Al Aragon had one out, like the Lean Muscle Diet. But again, it's more yeah, of a diet book. We're, it's not we're, really. We're a probably not going to tell people to buy that one though. 
No, not well, no. Um, <laughs> but like, that's what I mean. Is like, it's more like diet books rather than like this is nutrition or this is how I learn about nutrition. So that's why in nutrition you have to do more courses. Whereas with training, you can probably read a bit more and go right. Well, that is true. Like that's just physics. Like I know that to be true. The mechanics of that makes sense. And in nutrition, it should be like that with calories in and calories out. But it's not. People don't talk about that because it's boring. Because it wouldn't be a stuff. big book, would it? Unless you well, put no, that. <laughs> but I, I, I feel like with. With S and C, there's a lot more. Um, I suppose there's a lot more application to someone's opinion. Whereas in nutrition, people's opinion is like, well, it doesn't really matter what your opinion is. It's like find something that's, that you adhere to, or whatever. So, yeah. it, it, and it causes less controversy in the in the training world, I suppose, if someone's got a theory. Except that fucking Naudi guy, who's just a moron. <laughs> yeah, uh, we haven't talked about him in a while. I did. Yeah. somebody mentioned him to me the other. I think of like three or four weeks ago. I was like, oh my god, and I, I kind of like. He's gone off the radar a bit. Um, Naudi Aguilar. Um, yeah. What's what's the, what's his company? Functional patterns. And I was like, I was like, fictional patterns. Yeah. I was like, yeah, the guy that makes badass training videos. Yeah. I was like, his videos amazing. Like seriously great. But yeah, tiny little guy swinging a thing around. Very funny. Yeah. <laughs> if you want a good yeah some good crack, just go go watch some of that. No, it's quite fun. Or a good laugh. So no nutritional stuff. You're just you're just no genuinely free, like I wouldn't even recommend. It. I wouldn't really recommend that many books. I don't any nutritional knowledge I've ever had. It's not been from books. It's been from courses. And I know Martin McDonald's got his tour on at the moment. I, if anyone's interested, I probably you know he's, he's that, a guy yeah. who knows what he's doing. Um, he's spoken at Third Space. Um, I've has. done his course. <laughs> um, likewise, Josh has got his course on again. Like I think people do courses because. Nutrition, even if you don't want to be a nutritionist, you just want to learn more. Like, courses from reptile people are the way forward. And I don't know, maybe again, I've got no, I, I have got plans in the future at some point to do talks and stuff like that. Obviously, I don't do them at the moment, but you know, maybe in five years' time, when me and Tom are still doing this podcast when we're gray and old, older, um, I'll be, I'll be doing talks and I'd say come to a talk. But it, it seriously is you learn a lot more from listening to someone that you trust and you enjoy, much like I suppose Tom just said there about. You know, you listen to people that you like in S&C. It's kind of similar in nutrition, um, except for it's just a lot harder to take away and implement straight away. Like, you'll go to a course of S&C and you'll come away with it and go, right, I'm going to implement this stuff because you can. Whereas in nutrition, it's like, well, you might require the right person or the right situation to try certain things. So um, it's a bit different from that point of view. So it is more, I suppose, good courses and reputable people, um, which, again, is a fucking minefield in itself, right? So... Yeah, yeah, not that useful. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I could be all. slightly more useful as well because we did just mention James Ralph and his Athlete's Edge. So if you if you go to uh, JR underscore Athlete's Edge on Instagram, and he is a good he is a good decent friend of mine. So I do know that he has written an ebook, and I believe it is dropping. It is dr- just dropped the day before this goes out. I think the Monday. It's 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 out now, basically. It's, if you, <laughs> it's definitely dropped. So go to his Instagram. I'll do, I'm gonna tag him in the post when I put this up. Um, he deserves that enough because it's again not to like not to for anyone listening not to downplay James Ralph and what he does and anything like that because he works <laughs> with like top athletes. But just remember again, I can imagine everyone just going and fucking downloading it or whatever. But remember as well, like demographics and like your clientele. Like if your clientele or demographic is 35 to 50 and they want to do weight loss, bounding around is probably not going to be huge beneficial for them. <laughs> like, please just remember that as well. Like, think about who you're working with. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> all this stuff is great, but again, it's knowing the individual and who you're applying it to. Yeah. It is good. Like, even, I see people tagging us in yeah, this. Like, boom! <laughs> <laughs> Bounce around. Cool. But it's absolutely, if you want to really learn the application of some of this stuff in rehab, then I started talking about that on the weekend as well. And I was like, wait a minute, because there was, there was some misconception about like all of this stuff is applied to just athletes. And I was like, yeah, but then it's again fitting how I would say with the continuum theory. It's like, all right, how do I scale this? to down into so we started talking about cartilage regeneration there's research on some sort of plyometrics and jumping within that and i'm like all right well how do we do that safely um so it's the similar kind of stuff but it's scaled down to what's happening on the knee level and cartilage level and stuff like that so it's really cool so have a look go download it it's like footballers all that kind of stuff it's good fun 
Nice. Yeah, trying to, try to get footballers to do any sort of athletic move. I know, do it, mate. They, you can't get them in the weights room, so it is funny. Um... <laughs> that's obviously how James has like made a lot of his name, is that he's he's had people come to him, because obviously the footballers he works with have got their own S&C coaches if they want them, but they've gone to him privately and pay him. And, that and, just and like... if people go and have a look at his stuff, then message on that post that he said he's dropping that he, you want him on the show, because I actually have invited him on the show before to talk about what he does, because um, I find it quite interesting. But he is shy as hell and doesn't really want to talk about stuff. <laughs> I was like, mate, you go. Like, you know lo- a lot of stuff, clearly. Like, it'd be great. Um, but yeah, obviously me and Dan aren't very shy. So I was about we'll... to say, well, to be fair, he's going to be the smartest guy on the course. Uh, so. um, yeah, worry about that. It's just, uh, you got me and Josh just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, this is right. He's just sitting in the corner like, oh, I wish they'd shut up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's fine. All right. Dan actually came up with some content for today. We've rambled for about 20 minutes without actually saying anything. But apart from S&C books, they're for good fun. Um, so you get, you sent me some research. Um, every now and again, research paper, mate. Stuff, uh, stuff breaks through. But he did use, uh, if anybody uses this, then what are you doing? Uh, Facebook Messenger. Dan popped up. It's usually just like really random. Like I think like you're at the top, right? And then the, the next one down is somebody who's... Good evening, Tom. We've launched a new franchise called H3. I don't know what that means. And then, hey, Tom, thanks for connecting. I saw that you're a coach. That's really awesome. Wasn't Vancouver. Um, and I like connecting with coaches. Um, looking forward to your reply. Obviously, I blanked them. Um, how long have you been a coach for? Um, right. Tom, I think this just shows people how few friends you have. <laughs> I don't use Messenger at all. You don't ever. have any friends, mate. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry yeah. about it. But all right. Um, but yeah, basically, the research, I sent Tom some research, scientific research, that actually shows... Um, I'm going to pull it up on my computer while um, I describe it to you. But basically, <laughs> shows that as a personal trainer... Do you want, me to, do you want to say the title, mate? It would be better. You can say the title if you want. Yeah, <laughs> Is what you see what you get? Question. doesn't really tell you anything, does it, mate? Brilliant. <laughs> Perceptions of personal trainers' competence, knowledge, and preferred sex of personal trainer relative to physique. So basically, in this research, uh, again, we've only seen... Uh, you can only see the abstract, and it was... Um, well, well published by. It was published by... Have you got the actual full thing, have you? <laughs> yeah. you you're, you're a society member. It was reposted by uh, Brad Schoenfeld. And basically, long and short of it is that, unfortunately, as a personal trainer, your ability and competence and knowledge is judged by the general public on how you look. Um, that is what the study found, basically, is that PTs who are muscular or, you know, generally have lower levels of body fat were perceived to be significantly more knowledgeable and competent than their non-muscular peers. So I'm fucked straight away. Brilliant. <laughs> Both um, are, right. <laughs> but also, the interesting thing is here, and I think this is also because of, especially in the UK, I'd imagine this would also be because of a lack of them, but female PTs were perceived as more competent and knowledgeable than male PTs. I and I think that's, yeah, yeah. I think that's because there are less of them, so therefore the assumption is if you're a female PT, you must be good. I just think that's, and that's not saying, obviously, um, no, anyway, I'm going to, before I get on, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's generally like the, the thinking there is that I think that there's a, you know, a lot of that going on. Um, but basically the, the, the consensus is collectively PT physique seems to have a profound influence, whether they are approached or avoided. These findings may have implications for how PTs market themselves to potential clients. And it's something that We've talked about previously on the podcast, and I think that the, the thing that enjoy, I, I, I got out of this was it's good to see some research backing up what we had already said. And this is, again, where the whole thing around, I suppose, you know, evidence-based, you know, practice is that you form opinions and then it's backed up by research. And obviously there's, there's that, I suppose, marrying of the two where you have research will always be a little bit behind things that come up in, in practice. Um, and, and it just shows you that, We've said this for a while that unfortunately you are judging how you look as a PT. Yeah. You shouldn't be. It doesn't affect your knowledge or anything like that. But your perception from the outside world will be based on that. And it's just kind of, I suppose, putting some numbers to that. And it is obviously based in America, but it carries over regardless of what people think. Um, unfortunately, the perception of personal trainers is that the fitter you are, more muscular you are, whatever, 
you're going to potentially straight off the bat anyway, if someone looks at you, that will be their perception of your knowledge. If, like you said, I mean, Tom looks like a sack of shit, but he knows his stuff. So luckily he knows people know he knows his stuff. And he's <laughs> why, always- why else do you think we're both on basically what is basically radio? Um- yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also the other thing as well is like, I think this, this applies to obviously, um, to people any any trainers i suppose but then the other thing that i would add to this that i don't think it goes into which is huge in our industry and is one of the biggest things is social proof um if you were a if you were a larger trainer or a not in shape trainer but you had fuck loads of clients and they were all waxing lyrical about you how amazing you are how they love what you're doing i would suggest that that would then have less that would have less influence the the fact that you look like Tom, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I have clients, I think. <laughs> Not anymore. <no. laughs> but yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? Like, there's some assumptions on there that because obviously us in the industry know the kind of general standard of the industry, and it makes no bearing whatsoever as far as we're concerned about whether someone is what they perceive, whether their knowledge, like competence and knowledge, they're not the same thing. Um, competence is the ability to get your client to do stuff, which is relevant to their goals, really, um, without injuring them, I would assume, or mm. making them lose weight. Just basically achieve their goal in the best way possible, I'd sure. competence. Um, knowledge is having the actual, like, I don't know, accreditations and education and practice to put that to their client and it just makes no sense that someone that maybe a larger individual wouldn't have both of those over a, a, no, right. a more does, muscular it, individual they yeah. they for sure well it's not even that because it could be perceived like a, a larger individual could be a strong man or something like that so they have way more competence and knowledge within that field but then i guess yeah. they'd have clients that they were going down that way yeah so it's, it's interesting that, it obviously but they do they do explain that they have to think about this for marketing these findings may have implications for how pts market themselves to potential clients so what we've said is we generally get clients that are very much similar to ourselves and i've had clients say say they like training with me because i don't in a kind of backhanded compliment I'm not massive or like not, I'm yeah. not a freak, um, that kind of thing. He's I like, think, you know, actually you're, we, you're, you're in shape, at, but you're normal. So Whenever we look at that sort of stuff, I, I 100% agree. I think if you, you, know, you market yourself as you, you'll attract people who want to work with you and all that sort of stuff. I just think that you have to, we have to be smart enough to understand that there are millions of people out there who walk into gyms every day and like, our select people who follow us, our select people that work with us are just that, a very select few. And that the major- we're talking about the majority here. We're talking about the yeah. majority of people who would walk into a gym, you would ask 100 people, which of these trainers would you, would you want to work, would you work with if you could afford it, blah, blah, blah. Again, this, that's all this research is. It's not anything, you know, saying about demographics or understanding demographics or someone might have, you know, been 40 stone and now they're 15 stone and that's a huge, amazing story that they help other people who do the same thing but they still might be perceived to be overweight. Now, there's all these caveats to it and there's all these what ifs, what ifs and oh, my demographic, this demographic. The fact is, the majority of people would have the view that this paper's found. That's the, the overriding fact. It's like if we were to walk... We were to have a choice between two lawyers and we were sat there. One was scruffy as fuck and the other one was sat there prim and proper and smart in a nice suit and they both cost the same. You'd go with that guy. Yeah. Most people would. Like, I think that's the other thing I have to remember here is a lot of people walk into gyms, go, right, PSPT costs this much, same as this guy. Well, I'll go with that guy because he looks like it's just what people would do naturally. And I think um, it's why a lot of the time, like you say, in the online world or whatever, you have a specific niche you know, it's very, very useful to have that because you'll attract those people who want that niche. Likewise, with third space, I would argue a lot of the trainers in third space would all be similar to yourself, Tom, in that they would be non-intimidating. That's actually a good, that's a good thing to be non-intimidating, to have social skills, to, you know, be able to, you know, have empathy with these clients. But so, the third space is a unique gym. It's yeah, not we, like we've, we have kids. had that previously where, believe it or not, some trainers, well, this, this happens in certain fields that sometimes they put on 
uh, pictures and stuff on their CVs, right? And obviously, with trainers being how they are, um, if we have your CV and we have your name, chances are we can probably find you on Instagram or Facebook, and we do that for every single application. And if we see someone who doesn't fit the brand on that, we're not going to go with them. So, which is an interesting thing, right? Yes. We're not even, not even getting past the first stage. You wouldn't even get a call back. But I, I think there's also a reason why, especially when I was at the third space, like with all the same thing, you know, it, yeah, it was some people had body composition goals and stuff like that. And like, I, yeah, I might have got a bit leaner, but I was no way fucking big or intimidating anyway, apparently. Um, <laughs> yeah. But is that, is that, there's a reason then I believe that the third space had a penetration rate that it did with the members that would then train. It was, I think when I was there, it was, I remember something stupid, like 25%, I think. Yeah, of, we're a little bit lower than that now, but it's, but a, it's, about, it's because it's, there's it's so many members. We, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's going to happen. But even still, I would suggest the third space as a group would have the highest penetration rate of most gyms, especially and, of, and, of, yeah. of, of any gym. And, with and, and in commercialized gym, because they're obviously PTE yeah. like gyms or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But obviously, yeah. yeah. And, and I think, and I think that's probably, in, you know, in commercialized gyms, and and where, and again, the price point of third space and the locations of third space, they would, again, there's people that go to those gyms are smart enough to know it's not all just about someone looks. They would delve deeper into, well, what do you do? What's your qualifications? I need a referral, like previous, you know, results from people. But when you look at the bigger picture and think about all the pure gyms, the snap fitnesses, all these sorts of things, unfortunately, the the perception is always going to be. How does someone look? Again, Joe Wicks wouldn't be where he was if he was 20 stone. He wouldn't be. No. Just, that's a fact. And it, I think it's just, regardless of how nice a guy he is or, or his niche, he wouldn't be able to reach the millions of people he does. The reason he reaches the millions, millions of people he does is because he's in shape and he's, and he's not overly big, like you're saying there. But I think that the, when you look at the research, it's not about being overly big. It's about having a certain look. And we, we would all fit that look. I know we joke, but we probably would. Um, so yeah, I just think it's worth thinking about. Like again, I'm not, I'm not saying. I think that look bearded, two earrings, <laughs> madness. Yeah, yeah. Mate, when you roll your sleeves up, you look like you've got some sort of an art, you know, bicep and tricep. So you're all right, mate. Never uh, train them as well. Madness. That's how bad you're pulling and pushing is, mate. Uh, your buys and tries. I'm just only lifting now, so no tension. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think, I just think it's, I just think it's, it's worth thinking about again like just as a trainer if you are a trainer or whatever just think about that and just think about what your niche is who you're going after if you're going after a certain niche a specific niche or you just want to be yourself just be yourself i'm not i 100 that will work i like, I like the, the the female pts would perceive more competent i think it's quite interesting in my however many years of an educator or mentor kind of person now um, probably been doing it for about three and a half years. This is, I have no statistics to back this up. Sorry, it's not completely evidence based, totally anecdotal. But from people I have taught, females tend to ask better questions um, about things that we're discussing. Yes, because blokes just get how much you bench, mate. <laughs> and, you go, tend- and you go, oh, shut up, mate. Only <laughs> shut up. My yeah. weakest lift. I'm dead. Uh, lift, though. I'm yeah, dead it. There, there's a massive, like, yeah generalization but yeah i found that it's generally a little bit more engaged maybe or they're just like looking at me like this guy i basically i'm not the uh for the guys so just they don't deem me competent or knowledge knowledgeable because i'm not big yeah, <laughs> so yeah, exactly. like, what's this guy doing he's got a broken hip he's meant to be a rehabber what's going on it's like yeah but i've constantly i'm constantly rehabbing so i'm constantly updating my mind so it's fine <laughs> Yeah, very strange, but yeah, it's an interesting topic, isn't it? I just um, think if you've got, you know, if like like with me, like I use it to my advantage, the fact that I'm not big, I'm going to attract people that aren't as big. That's just, you know, use it to your advantage. Stand as close to the camera as possible. That's all you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> use the ankle. Um, but I think, but then you can relate to people who struggle with then being the smaller people, right? But again, I'm just talking about, again, it's just the science, it's just the majority, it's just all that sort of stuff. Don't, Shoot me down, don't get niggas nah, in a twist. Nah, nah. It's just what this is saying, <laughs> that the general perception is that. And unfortunately, that's the case. Like, just the way it is. Yeah. Well, Journal of S&C Research, March 18, 2019. It's pretty recent, mate. 2019, March 18th. That was like two, de- three days ago. Uh, there you go. It's current. Mate, we are current on point. Um, 
All right, you wanted to answer a question on this show as well. Uh, apparently, you, you well, you, we didn't put any question Q and A's out on our feeds, but you did last week. Well, one of our favourite listeners asked me a question, and I said I'd cover it. Yeah. Hey, Josh. Uh, no, I didn't say, <laughs> didn't say co-host. <laughs> um, ugh, do I have to get that up? Uh, I sent it to you. I, I got it. I got it. I got it. I didn't really get what. Um, so Dan sent me a his Instagram story because I don't really look them. Um, seen by twenty three people, mate. Yeah, I know, oh, mate. Right. I'm so happy. <laughs> Surprised he got a response. Um, that's, how, that's how quick Hannah was with her question. <laughs> Straight in there. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we're steadily rising to twenty five by the end of that day. Um, what aspect? So this was your question. What aspect of writing? What aspect of writing a training plan do you find the most difficult? I didn't know whether you were asking me this at the start or um, just like... Or well, you I know were, you struggle you, with you writing training like... plans, Tom. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm all right. Um, so making it progressive, knowing when and by how much to increase the weight and or reps. And I'll put a caveat, and or exercise. Increase the exercise. Increase the... I don't know. Change the exercise. Shock your muscles, bro. And what was even better about this picture is Dan put a little coffee cup on his face. Uh, yeah, because I sent you a vast screenshot. improvement. Because when I screenshot <laughs> it, my eyes were all over the place. And uh, it looked horrific. And I was like, like... Tom's going to use this against me. So I was like, I'm just putting a coffee cup over it. <laughs> I've never seen anybody really use those coffee cups. They're like really random on the... No, but it was, I, I couldn't put anything else on it. I couldn't... Uh, really? It was the only thing that would go over the top of it that worked. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck it. I'll just send it. Oh, I put a, a head on somebody else's head the other day when we were, we were I don't know, compared, not compared to somebody, put with uh, Mr. Coomba. I put a thing on his face. Vast improvement. Uh, well, I just, put, I just put the copy cup on it. Was <laughs> I gave him a Lego head. It was great. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, massive improvement. But, yeah, making it progressive, knowing when and by how much to increase the weight and or reps. So if anybody has an issue with this, I guess Dan's an answer. I do enough programming. Oh, brilliant. Well, I think <laughs> like, the, whole th- like, the reason I said I would answer it on the podcast is because it's, it's, it, it's so many variables and so many things that you can utilize to make it progressive. So, for example... Over a 12-week plan, you could, in terms of volume, you could progress it where the first six weeks, you might do three sets of eight, and then in the second six weeks, you might do four sets of eight. So you've therefore increased the amount of volume you're doing, and that's progressive by definition. And then it could be within that you do the first week, you might do three sets of eight, and then you might go to three nines, three tens, three elevens, three twelves. Therefore, you're making it more progressive as you go through by adding more volume. The weight might come down that you use potentially depending on your energy status if you're eating enough calories that shouldn't that should be doable um you can also do things where you go right last you might do three sets of eight consistently for the first six weeks and you might say right but the last set's an amrap and you might say right on the last set you do as many reps as possible so the idea being on the last set you're obviously going to do hopefully do more reps over that time that is being progressive you don't have to therefore change any of the weights in that program. You might just use the same, and then you're focusing on that last set of the AMRAP, and that's where you're getting your progression each time. Um, so that's a way of making it progressive without really changing the weights. And then there's a way of, of obviously changing the weights and going, right, well, you might say that on the – so you can do three sets of eight, and let's say you're doing shoulder press with 10 kilos, three sets of eight. And then the next week you might do two sets of eight with the 10s and then one with the 12s. And then the next week, you might only, you know, on the second set, you might do 12 kilos, but only manage four reps. So you put them down and pick up the tens and do another four reps, like almost like a, a drop set, but keeping it still keeping it quite difficult. There's, so there's so many ways that are make, you're making it progressive. And with training plans, I think the problem that people find is that they try and make them and write them to be progressive when actually the intensity which you train at is the progressive thing, is you pushing yourself each session that you're making it progressive the training plan itself doesn't need to be progressive in the sense that it goes up in reps or sets over the weeks it's literally just you then push in as hard as you can on that last set for the amraps potentially it's a progressive training plan that's why it's so hard to answer in an instagram story about how to make it progressive because there's so many ways to do that it depends on your goal 
um, what exercise you're doing because some exercises don't lend themselves well to AMRAP sets. Like, for example, if you did lateral raises, well, it, it's just like at, one, at some point you might just get a bit bored. It's like, well, where do you where do you stop or where do you push, you know, where's the form go with that? Um, so there's loads of different ways. And this is what I also wanted to get Tom's view on it because Tom obviously knows more than me about this sort of stuff with programming or whatever. Um, but I think that to make it progressive, you don't have to necessarily have it written down like to be progressive week on week, like you can make it progressive week on week just by pushing yourself. Yeah, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because there are so many different variables, like you just said. So obviously, Billy basic stuff is adding a rep, adding a set, adding a load, and in that order is how I would do it. Um, because adding one rep, generally on speaking, adding one rep is going to be less volume load over time um obviously increasing weight can be for newbies pretty easy um so if you're a newbie go weight if you're not go reps sets weights um really basically then i tend to uh, probably guys that have been training with me for a year year and a half um i tend to progress equipment a lot more um instead of load or any kind of reps or anything like that I would leave a lot of stuff very 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 similar and instead of so I'd, he'll probably listen to this right now a lad called Alex who um, who's got pretty much exactly the same training plan that he's had for three months um, it is nearly exactly the same barring a couple of reps uh, but I think nearly I'm gonna say 75% of the exercises are all the same movements just with slightly different pieces of equipment um, yeah. So they're going to be slightly different angles, slightly different grips, slightly different offsets, all this kind of stuff. Um, for us, it's great because he enjoys that kind of training. He knows what he's doing. He's in and out. He's three times a week. Boom. Uh, for other people, that might be a bit boring. Um, I don't know. But it is very progressive and he'll start low and end up in three months. That's the progression. I'm asking somebody to go over three months of training without really stopping. Um, maybe you have a, like, a chill, little chill, chill week after six. Um, that's about it so that's equipment based um i think the big in this question is i think making it progressive i think we can all do intensity reps of failure kind of giving you a mark out of 10 whether it was good all that kind of stuff reps blah 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 but knowing when is probably the skill in that that statement I also think it's, it's, it's yeah, and I, but I also think, like, because Hannah mentioned it, she, she messaged me and she was like, basically, basically sign up for online coaching with me. And I was like, well, <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, that's the other thing is, like, people try and do it themselves and worry and stress about all this stuff so much, but yet they never stick to anything. They'll write themselves a 12-week plan. And they don't stick to it. I mean, we so, like, we, the we do that. We'll, we'll, I could, we could both sit here and me and Dan can write each other or ourselves the most perfect plan ever that will, for us right this moment and be like, oh yeah, I'll do that, 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 that. Guarantee, because we're accountable to only ourselves and each other, maybe, we won't do it. No. No. <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> and it's that whole thing of like, I think, people, we do, I do it all the time. Like, I've just written myself a training program now, right? And I've not even written out any of the weeks. I've just gone, right, these are the exercises I'm going to do and I'm just going to see how I feel for two weeks doing it. Because I know if I wrote out every single rep, set and progression, I'd be like, I wouldn't fucking do it. I'm going to try every, each session first, just do three sets of eight to 12 reps, see how I feel, whatever, blah, blah. Um, because I know that realistically I'm not going to stick to a 12-week plan because, like you said, I've written it myself. Like, there's no, not really anything... I'm not really that fussed about doing it. Whereas if someone else was writing it for me, I'd do it. I would 100% do it. And it may not be as good as I think I can do my own plan, but because someone else is doing it for me and I'm paying them, I'm not going to waste my money. I'm, gonna, oh, I'm just going to do it. Lo and behold, all my clients, they do their training plans and they go, oh my God, as long as I've stuck to a plan for, I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, of course it is. <laughs> because I can see that because that's why you've struggled up to this point. Because up to this point, you write yourself a plan after three weeks, you second guess you decide that your weak area now is actually your arms. You're not doing enough arms. You want to do arms every day, so you cut out all the other shit, and then you write yourself a whole new plan again. So, and then something so comes say up, in a perfect world, they, they actually follow the plan. How do we know when they need to change things? Well, I would. I, so I look at things uh, on a volume load basis. So we 
we'll look at volume load over weeks over a 12 week plan um we'll also look at um if there's any exercises that they're stuck on with a weight or they're stuck on a certain thing um again looking at videos of, of people training that's what i would do i get videos of people doing these exercises so for example they're like oh i'm stuck on this for a while um we'll go right let's have a look at form let's tweak form all this sort of stuff um and there's other aspects to it where as well linked to again calorie status energy balance so it's like okay well if i've got a client who for a few weeks has been like oh i can't really move my back squat it's been struggling and i'm like right well you probably just at maintenance calories like why don't we shift you up you know eat a bit more move some of your carbs around when you for when you from after your training session to before your training session lo and behold two weeks later oh yeah my back squat's improving no, we haven't really changed huge amounts in terms of their program that could just be nutrition and that's a, that's the luxury i have potentially yeah. um that i'm looking at this stuff a little bit more um but again over time looking at volume load you can see when people are stalling and when things are, are stopping um and then i can like i said relate that back to stress sleep all these other things and i can go okay there's something going on here it's just another thing to add to the to the equation and i think when you're in person pt there's a lot more things you can do with technique tips and go actually hang on a minute like that's what yeah whereas i, I mean, can't undo that in person pt um knowing when to progress something i can do it straight away so Dan, Dan has to be a little bit more rigid and probably stick to the literature where it says either like a three to six week mesocycle <clears throat> based off that or the calorie consumption that you've had or the fact that you've been stuck on. So the volume load, that's what you, I mean by mesocycle. So that's just a set amount of time you'd probably be doing very similar exercises, whether it be this, that kind of clear progression or the same same kind of exercises and reps and sets and stuff before you change it around. Um, so you kind of have to stick to that unless your client would message you and then you still don't particularly know. So whereas in-person PT, which I've, I would assume that most of the guys listening are, um, you have the ability to change it within two seconds and be like, I'm done with this. They progress. They don't need to do this movement. They don't need to do this load. They don't need to do this. Bum, bum, bum. You can physically see it or they need to come down. Um, yeah, so you can do that in person. So I feel like that's a skill in itself. Um, and that should be if the client is struggling, if but you can clearly see that it is too easy. Uh, most of the, they, you will either have one end of the spectrum or the other. They will lie. Well, they both lie. Um, that it's either way too easy, and or they'll just be be like, um, yeah, it's good, even though it's like incredibly hard. Like it is like nine, Ooh. ten out of ten. They are gassed the whole time. Forms failing. They're like, yeah, that, that was good. That was good. Like, what? No, it wasn't. It was awful. No, that, that's your call. There's where you've got to coach um, and bring the weight down. Don't care about the ego. Just be blunt and be like, no, that's shit. Um, I say that quite a lot. Um, <laughs> and I'll be like, yeah, those last two are crap, so we're coming down. Um, yeah. Or they'll be like, oh, this is super heavy, and they're nowhere near any limit at all, and they have no idea. And I have plenty of those as well, where they they would find moving tough uh, sometimes. So like, well, oh, we have to go upstairs. I was like, yes, the piece of equipment I want is upstairs. Um, <laughs> so we have to go there. So there's certain stuff we're like, oh, no, we've never we've never lifted a 10 before. I was like, yes, we have. It's like, no, we haven't. We've written, well, I've written it down. Unless I've written it down wrong, I don't know, um, which is interesting in itself. But so knowing when to do that is based off the client really if you're if you and if you're doing it yourself i know when i feel like i can push myself and 100 percent that's day to day um my general rule of thumb if you train four times a week people have definitely heard, heard me say this one will be fantastic two will be mediocre and one will be crap um just lower averages that's what's going to happen um today I've like what I have like 95 kilos on a football bar felt super 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 heavy um if I'm honest so probably because I was training on the back of seven clients but it that was probably my situation I might be good tomorrow or incredibly mediocre so yeah probably about fuel that kind of stuff so based off that you can progress but I as a rule of thumb for a newbie three four five six weeks then move your weights up or move your reps up or change your exercise slightly. And I'd be really happy with that. Um, and then after those four, five, six weeks, maybe instead of you're doing like your classic bodybuilding split, I think, I don't know who put it out today. Um, 
was like fantastic post was I, I want to say it was an old school like SNC coach like Dan John or something like that um, and he was just like if you're a beginner to intermediate lifter and you're following a classic bodybuilding program the best thing to do to progress in strength or to progress is just shove one of your main exercises right at the front do three to five reps of it heavy and you've probably got yourself a pretty good program I was like yeah to be fair probably that's that's probably sounds about right if i took one of dan's easy little hypertrophy workouts put some classic <laughs> strength work on front of it it would be amazing so just go grab one of those off his instagram it's fine <laughs> mate you've been proud of me today i did single arm rows i did yeah. rollouts rollouts yeah. I, I, I always just whack them in randomly and then i'll be sore for like four days yeah i know i'm gonna be so sore tomorrow <laughs> oh wow but they're good like, they're classic that's a classic strength move that uh, you get the yeah. freaks from powerlifting and do the full standing ones. It's so hard. You're like, what? Uh, okay. <laughs> so very strange. But I hope we've kind of answered that um, in a roundabout way. There's lots of different variables. Uh, pick one. Like it, again, it's just some of the people overstress, overcomplicate it. And I think so, stress yeah, too yeah. much about. Like that's that's the bottom line. I think until you plateau, keep doing the same shit. And then if nothing's going up or no, your reps are sets and your weights aren't going up, then you start switching stuff around. Um, then seek advice more than anything else. Um, and there's plenty of advice, especially, was it Hannah who got F45, third space, wherever, Barry's. I'm sure somebody will give you some sort of credible answer. Um, some I, mean, I, w- I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't go to two of those. <laughs> two of those, but yeah. Uh, higher incline, right? That's, that's one of them. Higher incline. Um, Run faster, that kind of cool. Just jump more. <laughs> um, yeah, mate. All right. Any other business? No, no, no. but no other business. We're good. We're good, mate. All right, so a tight fifty-ish minutes of whatever we've talked about today. Wonderful. All right, thank you to everybody who has listened today, and those ratings are still pumping up. We're like hundred teens at the moment, which is pretty cool. Incredible. I'd like by the end of what March? What are we March now? By Easter, can we get that above one hundred and twenty-five ratings? That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be cool. Um, yeah, got to get that. So we probably need like another fifteen-ish, I reckon. Oh, by please, Easter. guys, that'd be amazing. Do that. Do that. Do that. <laughs> Easy. Um, yeah, I've got nothing else to say. So uh, we will catch you next week. See you later.